Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasters podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined with first-class cadet Mark Stutz from the Coast Guard Academy. He's going to tell us all about the Coast Guard Academy, why he went there, why he joined the Coast Guard, and he's going to give us great insight as to what the Academy is like on a day-to-day basis. So without further ado, here's first-class Mark Stutz. Hello, I'm uh, first-class Mark Stutz. I'm from Merritt Island, Florida. I'm a first-class cadet at the Academy, meaning I'm going into my senior year. Um, I play baseball for the Academy in my first-class summer now, so I'm assigned to two units this summer. One of them's a cutter oak, and this is my last day here. So why did you decide to apply to the Coast Guard Academy? So for me, I lived in Colorado for a few years. I always kind of lived by the Air Force Academy. Going to all the sports there growing up, I was always kind of interested in the uh, Academy way of life. And then as I started to get older, I was always interested in aviation. Applied for Air Force Academy and Coast Guard Academy. Going through the whole application process, decided to lean more Coast Guard because if I don't get flight, then I'll end up somewhere on the coast. I don't end up guarding a missile silo in North Dakota or anything. So Coast Guard always seemed like a way to go. Uh, I've really enjoyed this summer. I was at an air station at first, and then the cutter here has been a really good summer. And what air station was that? I was in Air Station Traverse City up in northern Michigan. Okay, so you've been in air station and a buoy tender this summer. Yes, I have. It was definitely different side, like sides of the Coast Guard, but it was a very good experience overall. Now, we have intended a buoys this summer, of course, even on a special mission, but do you feel like you like the way buoy tenders and air stations work? Do you have a preference as to which one you like more than the other? So for me, uh, like I said, I was kind of leaning more aviation coming into the Coast Guard, so I think I still kind of like the air station. It was... Uh, Laid back, so like as a first class cadet, you're kind of a junior officer at this point. And so I was hanging out in the wardroom, like I was on a first name basis with all the officers, and they would invite me over to their house every night. It was just like a lot more laid back side to the military, where the buoy tender is still like a lot more laid back than your average white hole, but it's still been a great experience. Just the under, like we spent a month underway, so that was uh, definitely a new experience for me. I've never been underway before that, besides on uh, the Coast Guard Cutter Eagle. Did you like being underway? It was a good experience. I mean, Operation Argus was really cool. I never thought I'd ever go to Greenland. So it was a great experience. I mean, the uh, big waves were a bit of a challenge. But besides that, I I highly enjoyed it. Well, I hope you enjoyed your time here. I mean, it was nice having a couple cadets around. We actually, we have two cadets joining us today. We have first class Andy Shad online here. So he's going to tell you a little bit about himself. (laughs) and why he went to the Coast Guard Academy as well. Uh, okay. Uh, so, like you said, my name's uh, Andy Shad. I'm from Alabama, and I'm also a senior at the Academy along with First Class Stutz. And part of the reason I came to the Academy is just because it's just such a good experience that not many people are going to have in their life. Like, how many people are going to be able to say, I went to Greenland for work? They didn't pay thousands of dollars to go to Greenland. It's just opportunities like that that make it so unique and such a good experience uh, to have. So, yeah. Honestly, I don't think any of us this summer pictured we'd be going to Greenland. No. <laughs> as coming no, into it. No. So, yeah. yeah. I got um, a text one day, actually, that from uh, from Ensign Koval. It said, pack your passport. We're going to Greenland. And I said, Mark, does that look right? Because I, I didn't, I couldn't believe it. So, yeah. Just good opportunities for sure. Now, was it hard to apply to the Coast Guard Academy for either of you? Because I know that 
a lot of the countries, academies, military institutes, you have to get recommendations from Congress and stuff in order to apply. So could you walk me through how it was applying to the academy? So the uh, Coast Guard Academy's application process is a lot easier because you don't need, it's the only academy you don't need congressional recommendation. Even uh, like the Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point, which is D3, just like us, you need a congressional recommendation still. So for us, uh, you have a couple essays you have to write. I think it was three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, of like why you want to go, like your qualifications. And then the application process is still going to be lengthier than your normal uh, college, but it's definitely worth it when you fill it all out. You kind of feel like a sense of accomplishment. Um, and then like once all that's turned in, you uh, go through an interview process. So there's uh, all over the country, there's Coast Guard Academy sponsors, and they'll come and give uh, you an interview. And uh, that'll all go in like your whole application package at the end. And then I know for both me and First Class Chad here, we're both recruited for sports. I'm a baseball player, and uh, he plays football at the academy. So the coaches made a very big difference and helped us get in with uh, just knowing that we were going to come play for them in our time at the uh, school. So it's nice to get in with sports and get a recruiter to have your back if you're interested in applying to the school to get in and get a foot in the door. Definitely. Um, coach Grant, who's the uh, football coach, uh, now for the uh, Coast Guard Academy football team. He helped me a lot getting in. He uh, talked to me throughout the whole process, and it was just really helpful to have someone inside the academy to uh, help out. So if, like, if you're looking to play sports in college, if that's something you want to do, that's a great opportunity because it's one of the only free uh, D3 schools to go to because D3 doesn't give out um, scholarships. scholarships. So that's a great opportunity there. Right, because most times at these service camps, you get paid to go to the academy, a little stipend. Or a little stipend, yeah, a little stipend. Now, I've heard of the AIM program. Mm -hmm. That's sort of, uh, could you, either of you walk that's, me through that? As that's to what probably that my wheelhouse, yeah. Um, so I was an AIM cadre last year. So AIM, basically what it is, is just uh, an introductory program to the academy for people who want to go to the academy, prospective cadets, you know, um, and they basically just run through one week of swap summer to see how it is. And uh, I also did AIM when I was in high school. And it helped me a lot in swap summer because I kind of knew what was going to come my way. So it was just a nice experience to have just to know what's going to happen to me later down the road. So. so you do AIM when you're how far into your high school career? So I did it my going into senior year of high school. Okay. So, yeah, I was 17. All right, so junior into senior year, that summer you can take a week now. What does the AIM stand for? It stands for Academy Introductory Mission. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so take advantage of the AIM program. Does that also help your chances again into the Coast Guard Academy by doing the AIM program? So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. If you do well at AIM, it, like for me, I, I did well at AIM, so it gave me a leg up because some people at the Academy already knew who I was. But if you don't do well at AIM, then they can also say, I strongly don't recommend for these people to come to the academy. And they can actually send that out to other academies too. So um, if you do well at AIM though, then it's a good thing to do. So it's like a caveat mTOR thing, buyer beware. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. So you guys both got accepted. Now, what did you have to do between getting accepted and actually reporting to the academy? Was there any additional things you had to do medical-wise or? 
So there's a medical process, like a medical screening process you have to go through, but uh, that's kind of something you do before the application process because some people will get accepted and then um, they'll say like, yeah, we'll, like, we'll officially accept you once you get like a medical waiver or you'll get like more screening done. So that's the Dodd-Merv and it's like a little, it's like a really heavy physical. They check your eyesight, they check like your heart and everything, your hearing. Um, but once you're really accepted, there's not very much you have to do. They send you a list of everything that you need to buy before you check, like report into Swab Summer. But besides that, once you're in, you're pretty much in. Like there's not much else. I was uh, early acceptance when I got in. So I found out January 15th and I don't remember there being much of a process in between then and the reporting in date on July 1st. So they have you guys report July 1st for the Swab Summer. What is Swab Summer like? So that's a little bit more my forte. I was a Swab Summer cadre. So our second class year, we all uh, kind of split up, and we're the ones kind of doing a little bit more of the yelling side of things. But when you're a Swab, you check in uh, around July 1st. It uh, changes every year. So you come in, it's six weeks. It's basically our boot camp, but uh, from everything I've heard, it's definitely easier than Cape May boot camp. Come in first few days, all reporting in like administrative stuff. After that, you kind of have a schedule every day. You're doing like the push ups and sit ups that you would at any like military indoctrination. But then they're also teaching how to sail dinghies. They're you're playing sports like once or twice a week. You're meeting the coaches. You're meeting everybody else. So it's it's a good time. Like you just kind of got to figure out kind of how to like play the game and like work the schedule. But then once you figure out like what's going on and that's just a, like a 20-year-old kids yelling at you, 21-year-old kids, like, it's a good time. And Swab Summer is your introduction into the academy as to help you get into that military mindset. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It is. It's to level the playing field for everyone, because some people, they come from military families, so they know more about the military. Some people have no background at all. So it's really just a way of getting everyone into the same uh, level playing field. Okay, so that goes until the academic year starts, Swab Summer. So once the academic year starts, you're no longer a swab anymore. You're now fourth class cadets. You are. Now, what is it like being a fourth class cadet? So uh, fourth class year still isn't the best experience, but uh, you're kind of the one like doing the cleaning and uh, you have a lot more, like you have weekly duties, so it's a little harder on most people. Uh, Liberty's not the same. As you move up, you start to get rid of like the liberty being uh, more stringent and you can go like you have a lot more hours of liberty you don't have as much duty but uh, as a fourth class like you have to do a thing called clocks before every meal where it's just like 10 minutes you're kind of letting everybody know like when it's time to wake up in the morning and like giving them information on like what sports are going on and then uh you have to do a little cleaning the like i said the duty you're sitting on the quarter deck for there's only hours like an hour at a time per week but Classes are a little tough right at first, just kind of getting used because we take about 18 credit hours a semester, especially as a fourth class. So a lot of people figure out like they come in as engineers and then when they're taking that many credits, they kind of realize it's not for them. And then we have the other majors like we have a uh, Shad here who's a government so, major. Yeah, for me, freshman year is pretty tough because I'm not really uh, a STEM oriented person. I like more government side of things, you know, writing papers, things like that. So the uh, math and science classes weren't really my thing, but uh, I powered through them, got through them. After freshman year, though, it gets a lot easier academically, in my opinion, because um, I got into things more that I like doing and I enjoy doing. So uh, you just got to get through that first year. It's just one year of your life. It's not a big deal. 
So it's freshman year, kind of basic 101 classes like you get at any college, essentially. Chemistry, so it's very well physics, um, Calculus 1. Yeah. Um, everybody takes, yeah, chemistry, physics, calculus 1. Everyone takes those. And then there's a, a lot of people take statics, which is like intro to engineering. If you're going to go down that route. If, for uh, government majors, you don't take statics. You, uh, you just don't take that class. You take other government-oriented classes uh, besides instead of that so so that's how it works though is that it's not they're sending you down one program there's different majors at the academy so there's a whole wide array of majors we have nine different majors at the academy so there's most of them are uh, stem oriented but there's we have government management which are kind of following their own little uh, they have their own building with the math department up there government's basically just political science and then management is business business so um yeah that's that's the route I went down, uh, the political science government route. Just, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting classes. It's pretty good time. And then, Mark, you're an engineer. I'm a mechanical engineering major. When you're talking about these different majors, they really branch off after freshman year, though, to get more focused into your studies. You get a little bit that first year, and then it really starts focusing down what your intent is to do. Yeah, so as a mechanical engineer, um, I have to take all the the chemistry one and two physics one and two uh statics all come like kind of freshman year and a little bit into third class year and once you get into third class you start taking classes like uh mom is can't remember mechanics and materials Uh, i just took dynamics which is another one i took um just like the big uh, engineering classes you kind of start uh i'm at intro to mechanical engineering design you kind of start getting more into it like they've had me down in the uh power lab actually machining metal and making projects and it's a lot more engineering focused now rather than just the gen ed where you're kind of getting into the swing of things all right and so you're a government major and you're an engineering major but if you were to get orders to the oak when you graduate the academy you become ensign on coast guard cutter oak a buoy tender so having such different majors though and then you go into the same role on the cutter what is the majority purpose of the majors? Is it for after the Coast Guard, or is it to assist you in your JO development? So to become an officer, you just you need a degree, like even if you go OCS. So I think it's just like you kind of do something that interests you, and you can continue with that field once you get out in the Coast Guard. Like there's, I could be a student engineer and be an uh, use my degree, or I could go be a deck watch officer and never touch my mechanical engineering degree until I retire. Twenty years down the line, I'll pick up mechanical engineering wherever I go and they'll hire anyone who's military with an engineering degree. So, And there's definitely jobs in the Coast Guard that are very uh, government oriented. Like there's the um, the Coast Guard liaisons overseas. Um, I'm trying to think of where they are. They're like in Malta. I know that's one place they're in. Uh, Germany. Oh, those special detachments that they have over in um, Germany. There's, a, there's a couple of positions for, uh, for Coast Guard officers over there. They're not JO positions. They're like... Um, lieutenant commander and above so 04 and above but that is one thing that you could do as a government major it kind of helps you you know get into that role there's also uh, intel that's another thing that a lot of government majors eventually end up doing in the coast guard so there's a lot of uh interesting opportunities that you can have in the coast guard okay so you get all this foundation your fourth class year now you both played sports you're athletes do you feel like that helped you break up the fourth class year rather than being on campus all the time to get involved with those extra activities that you were doing? So uh, as a fourth class, baseball is huge. So 
uh, our fourth best year was also when COVID hit, so I didn't really get the full baseball season. But uh, we played fall ball and just going down to the field, like, you have to kind of like sir the upper class, sir ma'am the upper class when you're up and chase all, but you get down to the field and all that's dropped. Like, you're just one of the guys. Like, you're having a good time. They'll invite you out. You'll have, like, go have fun on the weekends. And then uh, in the spring, we had a spring break tournament down in Fort Myers, Florida. So it was nice getting out of Connecticut where it's a little cold, a little rainy at that time. And then we go down to Florida and have fun for a week. And it, it was great. Like I, But like I said, COVID hit and it kind of ruined the rest of the season. But as a fourth class, baseball is huge. So my season is in the fall. So I had the full season and it was a, it was a great time. Just uh, hanging out with the, the rest of the guys on the football team. Uh, some of my best friends at the academy are on the football team. Um, it's just a good way to meet friends, and obviously, if you like playing the sport, that's also a big bonus. It's still a time commitment, obviously. So, um, for time commitment-wise, it's it does, like I said, take up your time, but it's a good thing to do, I think, especially your fourth class year. You don't want to stay on campus all year long, you know, just sitting there doing homework, doing things like that. It's good to break it up with the sports, like you said. Mm, yeah, it's just it breaks the routine up, which oh, for sure. can help you get through those long days as a cadet, you yeah. know, sir, man, and being locked on all the time. Exactly, exactly. So as you move through your fourth class here, then you're gaining privileges. We had some fourth class cadets on the ship report earlier this summer, and they switched their shield color. So you switch your shields midsummer when the new, uh, when does that happen? So it happens when the senior class graduates, the first class graduate. Um, that happened May 18th this May 18th year. This year yeah. So on May 18th, I was actually on Coast Guard Cutter Eagle. I was one of the first class that were on board there at that time. And we had a little ceremony where we switched uh, from the white shields, which is the uh, second class shields, to the blue shields, which would be the first class shields. And then the then fourth class had the green shields, and they switched to red shields, uh, signifying that they're third class now. Okay, so once you become a third class, all those fourth class restrictions go away oh, when yeah. you return to the academy the next summer. So you come back as a third class, you don't like you kind of have to be you have to be braced up, like walking around, kind of squaring corners. So just ninety degree turn on all your corners, walk in the middle of the hallway as a fourth class. You come back as a third class, no longer sir, ma'am, with the upper class. You can walk normally, you can eat normally. Uh, you get Friday night liberty. And, which is huge. Like, that makes a big difference. As a fourth class, you don't get that. And uh, going out on Liberty as a third class, too, you wear rec gear. So it's like uh, khaki pants and a polo. So it looks a lot better than having to go around in uh, STBs, which is service dress blues with the tie and the uh, jacket all the time and the big hat. Well, uh, what do you do between your fourth and third class year? So you said during the summer is when that changes over. What are you doing actually during the summer as a cadet at the academy? So um, there's the Coast Guard Cutter Eagle, which is uh, home ported in New London also, just right next to the academy, a couple miles down from the academy. And most sophomores or upcoming sophomores or rising sophomores, they go on the uh, Eagle just for um, – couple weeks, five weeks, six weeks, five or six weeks, depending on what phase. Yeah. Um, so they go on for five or six weeks, kind of just uh, get some basic qualifications done, like helmet lookout and uh, auxiliary. 
and you have a couple of uh, cool port calls. Like I went to Miami this year as a first class. I was one of the first class that were in charge of the third class. So uh, we went to Miami and then we went to Pensacola, Florida, and then we ended up in Galveston. And then they went from Galveston, they went to Key West and then up to Bermuda. So they had a really cool summer this year on Eagle. And I know they're planning more things like that in the future. I think they might maybe going to Europe pretty soon maybe even West Coast at some point in time. So, um, yeah, it should be a pretty interesting uh, schedule for Eagle in the future. So uh, being the second class, promoted to first class on the Eagle, you're very much in a teacher mentorship role with yes. the new students. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you come here, do you still have that teacher mentorship role when you're a cadet in the Coast Guard fleet, or is it much more of an absorbent knowledge like the sponge? Or Are you saying like a how do you equate the two experiences between being a cadet on the Eagle versus, let's say, this buoy tender, like, yo, coming on here as a cadet? Uh, as a first class, it's more of a, you're more of an, in a leadership role on Eagle. And then when you come to a place like, like the Oak, it's more of a, you sit, you don't sit back, but you definitely watch more. You definitely uh, shadow more because uh, the people here know more than the uh, third class do, obviously. And it's just good to get a little experience with people who are, um, you know, well-seasoned, I guess. So, yeah. mm -hmm. Take knowledge from everyone where exactly. their expertise are. Exactly. It's, right. been, it's been a great experience learning from everyone on this boat. And, uh, yeah, something that I'll definitely keep in mind, all the lessons I've learned from the, from the Oak. So. Well, so that's the interesting thing is now that you're first-class cadets going back into the academy and you've had all these experiences with Eagle and going to air stations this summer, coming on the Oak, and you've had your previous cadet experiences. Now, how do you take all that and apply it to your senior year where it's like the pinnacle of your career at the academy? You're at the top now in terms of leadership and overall so from mentorship. That, uh, from that, you're kind of seeing like uh, that experience, you get a lot of officers, and then even uh, you go to a small boat station or third class here for the other half, you're not on Eagle. And you see the enlisted leaders and, uh, like, chiefs and master chiefs are in charge of these stations. And you just kind of see, like, all their leadership styles, what you like, what you didn't like, and it helps you kind of build up your own leadership style to help uh, be in charge of a division or even some of our classmates are in charge of the uh, regiment. We have, a, like, the regimental commander and uh, the cadet staff. And then from there, you take all those experiences after your first class year and you use them to help you choose what platform you want. So we have billet night where they give us a whole list of 250 plus billets. And then we all put down like, what's our number one pick, our number two pick. And then uh, from there, you figure out where you're going. But uh, going out in the summer, doing experiences like the air station, like the Oak, like all the other cutters that our classmates are on, it helps you decide what you want to do with your career. And what is billet night like? So it's a lot of fun. So everybody puts in their picks uh, around December, and then billet nights the Thursday before uh, we go out on spring break. But all the firsties are dressed up in their uh, STBs. They go in our big auditorium on base, Leamy Hall, and uh, they call up like four or five at a time with a big slideshow behind them, hand them out uh, their billets. They all open them up. Everybody's going crazy and cheering, and everybody's like really happy when they get it. Super excited to finally figure out where they're going after four years of hard work. Okay, so you get told where you're going at this bill at night. Mm -hmm. Everyone's very excited because now it's, oh, this is my first unit I'm going to. I'm leaving the academy yeah. because it was a unit now. Mm -hmm. How do you prepare to go to that unit in your final couple months at school? What's the transition like? Have you talked up the classmen before you? And 
us through that at all. So we haven't. We're not like the best to talk about it because we haven't gone through the process yet. But uh, once billet night happens, a lot of the firsties kind of check out. Like the senioritis really kicks in and they're just ready to start their lives. But um, that's kind of when the second class start taking over the division and start kind of take absorbing the role of a first class cadet. But um, you're at that point, you're looking for your new apartment. You're looking for new furniture. You're figuring out like where you're going to live, what, you're, what kind of car you're going to get, everything like that. Just kind of doing a little bit more of the adulting stuff rather than the cadet lifestyle. Okay, so you start figuring that stuff out while you're still at the academy, which is nice to have that transition period. And then uh, you sum up your academy experience after this. So now that you've completed three quarters of your academy experience, how would you summarize it? Do you recommend it to prospective recruits who want to join the Coast Guard? Is it a good avenue to take versus enlisting? Or It's a lot to sum it up with a couple of words because... Like, like you said, it's been the last three years of our lives. It's been a lot of a lot of our time, most of our time and energy has been going into that place. So it's just, I would say it's, it's a very good experience. It's very, it's worth it, but it's not an easy experience. It's not for someone who, uh, like, I think I might like, uh, might give it a try maybe or something like, you should probably be pretty committed to doing it if you're going to do it because it's going to be at least nine years of your life because you have a five-year commitment afterwards to an uh, active duty so nine years of your life that's a lot to give and you should probably probably be committed to it if you do that so that's your number one advice you would give to someone considering applying mm-hmm. is have that commitment and know this is what you want to do and when you sign when you're in high school i wouldn't say you have to know for sure but i'd say definitely get to that point where you can think this is what I want to do with my life and just put your full heart into it. Make the most of the opportunity. Of course. Yeah. And do you have any advice? So uh, going off of what first class shadow was saying here, we both have seen people come into swap summer and be like, yeah, you know, I want to join the coast guard, but I'm not super sure this is the avenue I want to take. And they'll make it a week or two into swap summer. And then they just can't really do it anymore. Realize it's not for them and end up dropping out. Be committed. Another thing, it, it is tough. I know, especially for me as a mechanical engineering major, I've had quite a few all-nighters where I'm just trying to get a lab report done the next day. Make sure you choose to do something that you really want to do. Because if you really want to, like for your major, if you really want to do it, you're going to do great. Like uh, all the instructors at the academy, it's like a, not like a normal school where they're being paid to do research. They're being paid to make sure that you succeed. So every single one of them, if you go in and get help, if you like don't uh, understand a subject, just go in and talk to them, and they will 100% help you. So once you get there, make sure to go to your instructors because they they like work wonders. It's great what they can do. If it weren't for my instructors, my fourth class year that I had, I don't know if I would have passed those classes like at a normal, um, even like a larger academy where there's uh, more people that they have to worry about. I don't know if I would have passed those classes because uh, yeah, they just they helped me a lot. So the faculty is very interactive with oh, their students. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it's great about good. a normal school, like different than normal school too, because like the, most people I've ever had in a class was about 30. Where if I was at UCF, which was my backup school, University of Central Florida, freshman year, I guarantee I would have been in a big symposium with 300, 400 kids. So it's way different. The academy is a lot more, the instructor knows you, where that would never happen at a big school. Just the fact your instructor knows your name, you can go talk to them. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a huge difference in terms of 
progression and being able to succeed. Yeah. It's just awesome because like you'll pass them in the in the hallway in one of the, the buildings, academic buildings, and they'll say, uh, "Hey, what's up?" And you just say, "Hey, what's up?" Back and just like you can talk to them and everything. And it's just it's just nice to have that sort of connection with your college professors, mm. which is um, it's, it's a unique experience for sure. Well, then I guess we'll wrap it up with asking, what are your future career goals or prospects now that you're transitioning into, you're going to be coming into the fleet as JOs? What are you hoping to do? For me, like I said, I've been very interested in flight ever since I was a little kid. So I want to try and go for uh, Naval Flight School right when I graduate. So I'd end up going to Pensacola, Florida. Uh, We were talking about the commitment earlier. If I do that, it's an additional eight-year commitment. So I'd end up having to give uh, 13 years of total service plus the four years at the academy. So that would make it uh, 17 years total. But if I do that, I want to fly C-130s, hopefully go the fixed wing route. I know a lot of people want the helicopter, be more uh, on scene, be the one pulling uh, uh, survivors out of the water and doing the rescues. But I feel like the C-130 is more of uh, what I would want to do. Well, we haven't had any aviation people on the show yet. We hope to in the future for any aviation rates listening. The thing is, is I've heard with those fixed wing flights, you can bake cookies and pizzas in the ovens on the on the uh, fixed wing planes when you're actually flying from location to location. Sometimes they'll just fly down to Puerto Rico for a few weeks just to chill and hang out. They do a lot of recon stuff, right? And yeah, when I was uh, at Air Station Cape Cod for a weekend, we went up on HC-144, which is our uh, smallest airplane. And uh, one of the guys, middle of the flight, just gets up, pulls out a Pyrex with his lunch in it, sticks it in the oven, and he's making lunch, and there's bathroom on board, and you can actually get up and move around, which is uh, a little bit better than the helicopter, because like, when I was in Traverse City, we had three of our H-60 Jayhawks, and uh, we'd go flying, and you're in the air for four hours at a time. And uh, but those were really cool too, because we from Traverse City, we flew over Chicago one time, and uh, flew over Soldier Field, which is where the Bears play. Did like a Chicago skyline, flew over Detroit, and just got some really cool sights that you wouldn't be able to see from uh, the fixed wing asset. Rock on! That's really nice. Mm-hmm. I, I wish the best of luck to you, man. I know it's very competitive, but. If you're determined and you want to do that, I hear you just keep applying if you eventually get into it. Mm-hmm. You just apply, apply, apply. Yeah, that's the advice I've gotten. I know at the academy, just there's probably about a good quarter of our class, if not more, that want it. And uh, it's pretty competitive to get in, but everybody who gets it really loves it. Yeah, I, I just keep working until you get it. I mean, that's your dream you're set on. And then you got to make the dream happen. Mm-hmm. That's what I recommend. Uh, and Andy? Um, so... Start off with, I kind of want to go on a boat, do some drug interdiction and micro interdiction. Um, probably out of a boat in Virginia, hopefully, is what I'm going for. And then after that, I want to uh, roll into going over to Patrol Forces Southwest Asia, Pat Frisois, which is in Bahrain. I think that would be a cool experience to have, just go over there, experience that. And then after that, I don't really know what's going to happen after that, but I've been Thinking uh, first class Stutz here has been trying to talk me into uh, aviation. It seems pretty like a like a good life to have uh, at an air station, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Just transitions so nicely into a civilian career too. Oh, okay. having those flight credentials. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. Our main goal is is to set ourselves up for success in the civilian world after we're done with our career in the Coast Guard and we do our service. Mm-hmm. So, aviation is such a great career to get set up into that civilian lifestyle of flying private helicopters or 
commercial planes, whichever route you want to go. Yeah, there's such a shortage of pilots, and there always is. So the commercial airlines, like if you're a pilot and you have, like, it's basically the government's paying you for flight hours, which are very expensive in the to become your own private pilot. But uh, if you do the Coast Guard, like, they know you have discipline. They know you have the flight hours. They know you have the experience. So any commercial airline would hire you up in a heartbeat. Like, it, it's a very easy you can even get hired to like fly a private celebrity's jet or something. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard of anyone that world. happened, but I'm sure if you're flying around uh, Admiral in the Gulf Stream and retire, I'm sure like Kanye would hire you up and you could go fly him around or something. Kanye or Gwen Stefani. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, back to you, Andy, uh, with uh, starting out your career in the migrant interdiction and drug interdiction. Would you like to be one of the officers on the small boats actually going out and doing the boardings? I would, uh, yeah, but... That's just something I've always wanted to do. That's one of the reasons I went Coast Guard um, over all the other branches because I just thought that's such a cool mission to have. Um, yeah, I've ne- I've never done it because, like I said, uh, this summer I was on Eagle, which doesn't do that. It's a PR mission, and then Oak, which is a buoy, a buoy tender. So I haven't been able to do it yet, but I think I would really enjoy it. I would recommend if you get on one of those smaller white halls, like the 110s, mm-hmm. I, I know they have uh, lieutenant junior grades and lieutenants on them, but the lieutenant junior grade that I was serving with, uh, your football coach, okay. Coach Coach Condon. Coach Condon. Uh, Shout out Coach Condon. He uh, did a lot of the boardings when we were out there. We were in uh, Gloucester, Massachusetts, so yeah. we were just around the Cape Cod area, but he'd go out and do the boardings mm-hmm. as the LE boarding officer. So Yeah. If you can get down that route, that's really good and lined up nicely and exactly. just stay active and engaged in mm-hmm. so many routes and possibilities. Mm-hmm. But exactly. Well, thank you both for providing your insight. Uh, do you have any last words you'd like to pass on? or Apply. Coast Guard Academy is a great experience, even like though it's hard. Like I never would have been to Greenland if it wasn't for this summer. I never would have flown over Chicago if it wasn't for this summer. And then even my experience at a small bus station was amazing, so... Uh, and then the career, like you'll never have you any other school you go to unless it's another military academy. You're not going to have a guaranteed career when you graduate. So that it's definitely provides amazing experiences. and It's a great career opportunity, even though it's a uh, tough four years, but it's definitely worth it. You're hearing this from a cadet who's been to all 30 baseball fields. He's a well-traveled cadet. So if he's saying that it's a journey of a lifetime, I take that in full stock as to what he's saying. So, well... Thank you both for coming on, and uh, we'd just like to put out a thank you for uh, Oak and Iron Coffee for uh, helping support the channel in this uh, episode. Oak and Iron is run by a uh, Coast Guard veteran, and they make great coffee, and you should check them out online on their website, definitely. And they have really great products. They have a mug for each type of ship you serve on. So if you're on the Red Hulls, they have a Red Hull coffee mug for you, a Black Hull coffee mug if you serve on the buoy tenders white halls if you serve on the le ships so orange mug if you serve on the uh, search and rescue little small boats so definitely go check them out if you uh have the time and thank you both for joining us today thanks for having us good luck in your senior year at the academy thank you and we know you're going to do great things and i look forward to have you both as jos next year looking forward to seeing you Looking forward to the career. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully we'll see you around. All right. Thank you very much.
Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Coast to Coast's podcast. This is the first time we've had cadets on the show, and it was really a treasure to hear some insight as to what the academy is like. So hopefully we'll be able to get some more cadets on in the future to tell their perspective with the different majors and stuff. But this is just a great episode to host today, and really great respect for both first class Stutz and Chad, and wish them good luck in their careers, and hope to see them again in the future. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode.